feel free to come up with any name you want to call me. It's fine. And uh, there you go, Aunt Jen. I'm a very powerful Aunt Jen, so I'm very happy with that role. Uh, and then uh, Pastor Garrett, to finally get to meet you. I feel like I've met your entire family. And uh, so it is really an honor to uh, come and be here today. And I want you to know that it's an honor to me that you would trust the gift of God in me because this is the pulpit that you are sowing your life's energies into establishing and building these people and what God has called this church to be and do. And so anytime a pastor says, I believe God's put something on the inside of you that will add to our house. How many of you know that's a big deal? And it's a great honor, and it's one that I don't take lightly. And so I thank you for that. Um, I, I will have to come clean a little bit. Uh, there's a portion of the reason that I was so excited to come, which was really just to get time with Pastor Joyce. I'm just going to be upfront with that. Um, I am a huge fan of hers. If there was a fan page for her on Facebook, I would like it. I would join it. Uh, I just have such high regard. Uh, for Pastor Joyce, as I know each of you do, but I have a deep appreciation for who she is and who she's always been and what she's allowed to God to do through her life and continuing to do through her ministry and really, you know, to sort of be on your radar and get to watch you now and what's coming out of you and where God is taking you is very exciting to me uh, because I believe you're just now coming into some things you've had in your heart for a long time and it's time. And so, uh, man, that's just an exciting thing to be a part of, isn't it? So, uh, so all that to say, you know, I get to be at the gathering place today with you amazing people, skylines down the street, the sun is shining, Fillmore's is still making chicken fingers. I mean, it's just a good day to be alive, praise the Lord. So, uh, but I am, I'm looking forward to this word this morning. I feel like I'm here on divine assignment, amen. And I believe God has some things specific for us today that I believe are going to be in addition to this house, but I also believe it's going to answer some questions you've had for your life and mainly connected to maybe this question that maybe you've articulated it, maybe you've said it out loud, maybe you haven't, but that somewhere in the back of, of your thinking, there's kind of been this wondering of God, what are you doing in my life right now? And so it just seems to me that heaven has some things, your father has some things on his heart that he wants to talk to you about uh, this morning. So can we just pray over the word and, uh, and we'll just get right into it. Well, Father, we thank you so much for this appointed time. And Lord, I thank you that we are here for the here and now for such a time as this. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come right now and think through my thoughts and speak through my mouth. And Holy Spirit, once again, we give you permission to come and invade the privacy of our heart. And Holy Spirit, we also give you permission to, if necessary, you can rearrange the landscape of our life to put us into position 
for all that you have for this time that we are right now in. And we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, amen, amen. Well, if you brought your Bibles today, why don't you go ahead and open up to the book of Psalms. And uh, we're going to use this as our um, sort of beginning place for what I believe God has for us today. And, um, and I'm going to find my notes, and it's just going to be awesome. I, I got so caught up uh, just talking to the Lord about and studying about what he had for us today. I almost didn't get here. I think Pastor Joyce was putting a message together down there waiting for me. Um, not that she doesn't have 30 years to choose from, so uh, praise the Lord. Did I tell you where in Psalms? All right, listen, you're going to have to get some things by the Spirit. I mean, I can't, I can't just tell you everything. So let's just pray. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Psalms, Psalms 145, and we're going to look here uh, in verse 9. And let's look at these scriptures. I'm going to read 9 through 13. Psalms 145 in verse 9 says, The Lord is good to some of us. No, aren't you glad? <laughs> Everybody got a little nervous there. What? The Lord is good, it says, to all. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. I want you to know today that God is good. He's not doing anything bad. He's doing all good all the time. And I want you to know that his, his mercies, his ability that fills in the gaps, his power that fills in the holes, his strength that fills in the weak spots is over all his works. That means all of the things that he's got in progress right now. So you can look at your life and say, yeah, I think it's safe to say I'm a work in progress. Amen. Amen. Oh, wait, is this the perfect church? I finally found you people. I've been looking for you for 10 years. No, come on, we're all a work in progress, aren't we? And, uh, and isn't it good news to know here that his mercies, the, the power that fills in the gaps, is at work over all the works in progress he's got going on in your life right now. And so I thought that was good to mention right there. But let's go on in verse 10. It says, all thy work shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. You know why we'll praise him and we bless him? Because everything he's doing is so good. And it turns out better than we ever could have gotten into on our own. Everything that we went, man, God, where are you? When we let his timetable transpire, we step back and go, oh, God. Thank you that you did it your way and you didn't do it my way. Because if you would have abandoned your plan and done my plan, I would have come up short from what you actually had intended for me. That's good news this morning, isn't it? And so it says, we'll praise him. And then it says, and they shall speak of the glory of his kingdom and talk about his power. To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts, and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. This is what I want us to look at this morning. For thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endures throughout all generations. 
His kingdom, what God's doing in the earth, is an everlasting kingdom. So we could pause right here and say, everything that God is doing in my life right now, he's building to last. And not only is he building it to last, he's not building just what concerns you, he's building what will last to stretch beyond you. Now, you know, uh, the second service, I have to tell you this, is really in for an extra special treat. And, and you might want to stay over for second service for this, but uh, second service, uh, I'm so excited to have my 89-year-old grandmother will, will be here today. She's precious and dear to my heart, and uh, she used to have a radio show here in the Cincinnati area a number of years ago called The Girl on the Go, <clears throat> and uh, it was something she just reached out and the Lord put it in her hand, and uh, I mean, she just interviewed, it was an interview show. She interviewed people like President Ronald Reagan and actor Paul Newman and Wayne Newton and Zsa Zsa Gabor and all these 60 stars, you know. And um, she was pen pals with the real Maria Von Trapp from The Sound of Music. I know, some of you are like, we're gonna have to cancel lunch plans. I gotta get this woman's autograph. She's just amazing, but what I I stopped to bring this up because my grandmother and I, she's such a woman of faith, woman of prayer, and we'll have these conversations, and she'll say, honey, what's God doing in the earth right now? She's so excited to hear about this kingdom that God is building, and I'll say, well, ma'am, I'll tell you about that, but, you know, tell me again, what was Paul Newman like? (laughs) What was... What was Ronald Reagan like? You know, is he a kind man? And I can get her to talk about a little bit and then she'll just say, honey, none of that's important. What you're doing is important. And she'll say, "Um, if I only knew uh, what you know now, what I could have done. And I say, mama, don't you understand that every place in your life where you believed God when you could have given up. Every place where you stood on his word and you kept your heart pure when you could have gotten bitter. Every place that you believed God and came through built an everlasting foundation that I got to start out on. Everything that God worked to establish in my grandmother's life and is still establishing was handed to me. So what I'm saying to you is I'm reminding you that what God is working to, as the Bible says, to do his good will of his pleasure in your life, it is connected to you, but it's also something he's building to last because of what comes after you and I. And so because of this knowledge that he's building something to last, he's building multi-generationally, he's building an everlasting kingdom, we can stop and look at this and just recognize right here that your heavenly father is taking you and I somewhere. In other words, God's not settling on you. God hasn't hit a point with you where he says, you know what? 
That's just good enough. I, I'm going to leave them right there. I mean, at least they're not going to hell anymore. You know, they're not hurting anybody. They're out of crisis. That's just, that's just good enough. I was really working in your life, but now this is just a season for you to just settle. In fact, the word settle isn't in the kingdom vocabulary. In fact, good enough isn't in God's vocabulary. God doesn't say, well, that's just fine. I mean, have you ever noticed there is definition and purpose to everything God is doing? I've never found a story in the word of God yet, you know, where it says that a man or a woman inquired of the Lord and God's response was, ah, whatever. <laughs> no, it's very intentional, isn't it? And he gave us sort of a heads up that our life was going to be this way because there's different places in the word of God where God says things like this. And we mentioned this during the women's conference. He said, I'm always going to be taking you from strength yes. Yes. to strength. Yeah. I'm always going to be taking you from one place of faith into a new place of faith. Gathering place, I'm going to be taking you from one place of my glory. And as good as that is, you can't stay here. Because my intention, my plan, this everlasting kingdom that I'm building in you and in this region through this house is meant to go from glory to glory to glory. And so what I want to say to you, church, is that you and I were made to be perpetually walking in to the new. I want to give you some verses uh, and show you, just give you a snapshot of how much God has to say about this everlasting kingdom he's building in your life that's always walking you into the new. And I'll just run, you can just jot these down. Revelations 21.5. He says, but I am making all things new. He actually went on to say, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. In other words, it's almost like God saying, you know that whole feeling about, whoa, this is new? Get used to it. He did warn us. Look at this one, Psalm 40 in verse 3. It says, he put a new song in my mouth. Whenever God wants to move his people forward, historically, he always puts a new song in their mouth first. I love that one we sang. We sang it at the women's conference. This song, what a beautiful name it is. I don't know what it is about that uh, bridge, you know, but there is some kind of superpower that hits men and women of God. When we start talking about, you know, you have no rival, you have no equal, it's almost like our faith comes alive and we go, that's right. We got this thing. In fact, I can remember singing that song. Uh, I was in a church, I think, in New Jersey, and you know, when you travel all the time, you kind of have to find ways to entertain yourself. And uh, so I started this thing because I realized that God gives the body of Christ new songs. And, uh, and it just seems like some just really resonate everywhere you go. It's like everybody's singing them. Um, last year, or two years ago, um, that song, uh, Break Every Chain, I think I got up to like eight churches in a row week after week. We were singing Break Every Chain. Now, I got to admit, by about week seven, I was like, dear God, we have broken all the chains. 
can we please move on? I got over it. I'm just saying seven weeks of break every chain was a lot. So, uh, but then, you know, last year there was this song and, and you could tell it was God was giving us a new song to move us into the new. And it was that song, um, you're a good, good father. I mean, isn't that powerful? It's who you are. It's who you are. I love that song. And so then it just seems like this year, there's so many. I'm just picking this, what a beautiful name it is. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. There's something resonating in this song. He puts a new song in our mouth. And when he does, he uses it to mobilize us. So pay attention to the songs that are coming up in your heart. And I'm not talking about Beyonce. Hello. I'll just put that out there. All right. Keep it holy. All right. Look at this one. Ezekiel 11 in verse 19 says, And I will give them an undivided heart, and I'll put a new spirit in them. Well, he's not talking about getting saved over and over again. He's actually talking about a new spirit of mind, a new attitude of mind, a new way of thinking. In fact, there's a man of God that I admire greatly, and I know this house does, uh, Dr. Oral Roberts. There was a young man that had the honor of interviewing Dr. Oral Roberts in uh, his later years. And when he was preparing to interview uh, Dr. Oral Roberts, he said, Sir, I've been studying the length of your ministry and getting ready to come spend this time with you. And he said, one of the things I noticed is that among all your peers in the ministry, there seems to be a hallmark of your ministry in that you have been able to effectively reach multiple generations. In other words, your ministry hasn't been one generational or even two. It's affected multiple generations. And he said, sir, I just wanted to ask you, how have you done that? And and what do you attribute that to? This young man said that, Oral Roberts being, you know, well advanced in years, sort of scooted to the edge of his seat. This excited him to talk about. He said he didn't even stutter or flinch or think before he responded to me. He said, I'll tell you exactly how I did it. He said, my principles never changed. He said, my principles stayed the same. What's he talking about? The word of God. It's still the book to live by today. Culture doesn't change it. The times don't change it. It's still the book to live by. He said, my principles never change. He said, but I never let myself get married to methods. He said, I always allow, this is what Ezekiel's talking about, a new spirit of mind, a fresh attitude of mind to say, God, my principles are the same, but if you got a better way of doing things to reach this time, I'm all ears. And he said, I was willing, even though an old way of doing things had worked and gotten me results, I knew that there was an expiration date on that way of doing things. And he said, and when the time came, I was willing to let that go and start from scratch and say, teach me something new. I'll tell you, that's a powerful way to live. I like that way of thinking because it keeps you from getting stuck and stagnant in life. And it's right there in the word. All right, let me give you two more. Isaiah 43 in verse 19. I love this one. It says, behold. That's a powerful word. Everybody hang on to behold. 
Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and a river in the desert. If I could paint you a picture for what the word behold means in the Hebrew, it actually means more than just look at this. It actually means this. Look at this, and only if you look at it will I be able to do what I'm showing you. If you get distracted and look away from the new thing I'm doing, it will stop me from being able to bring it about in your life. It means look, and only if you're looking at it, only if it's got your attention, only if you're moving towards it, will I be able to do this in your life. That's pretty powerful. And so in this, he says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And then he asked a question, doesn't he? He said, do you not perceive it? Church, I'm just going to put this out to us as a whole. Are we standing in the way of God's new thing? Are we fluid and moving with it in new ways of doing things God wants to do in our life? Or are we standing here going, well, prove it to me and then maybe I will. Because heaven just showed us heaven's pattern. Heaven needs our collaboration. Amen? Amen. All right, last one, Lamentations 3, verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions fail not. Come on. They are new every morning. And the next part says, great is thy faithfulness. God has pre-wired you and I for new things. Did you know that even your brain is wired to continually adapt? That's how God made us. The old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't know who would say that because who wants to define themselves as an old dog? I mean, they shot old yeller, okay? But that, that saying, that statement is absolutely true of those that haven't been born again. Because those with the mind of Christ, we are actually hardwired to continually adapt and going, God, take me to a new strength. Take me to a new faith. Take me to a new glory. In fact, I'll say this to you. When your faith loses its aggressiveness, that's when carnality sets in. When your faith starts looking for God, what are you doing next? What do you want to show me now? What are you moving me into today? That's when all of a sudden life gets boring and we start looking to appease our flesh and we get into trouble. We were hardwired, even our brains, but oh, so much so our spirits. We were hardwired for new things. We were hardwired, listen to this, for new discoveries, for new advancements, new growth to push forward. And what this is what makes God's creation so remarkable. This is what makes it so exciting to get up out of bed and come to the gathering place every Sunday. Come on, you never know what they're going to do next around here. I mean, all of a sudden you show up for church, it looks like Pottery Barn, everything's amazing. 
I mean, there's just new territory being taken and the school's growing and now we're going to reach our community this way. Oh, you mean we're not just going to hold up and worship and us for and no more? Oh, no, we're going to do that. But then we're going to reach broken households. We're going to do something about all the broken families we all drove by to get here today. And we're going to take the goodness and the mercy of God straight to them. I don't know about you, but that's something I want to be a part of because it sounds like heaven. It's advancing. It's not stagnant. There's a body of water that's stagnant, and it's called the Dead Sea. I don't want to be a part of that. And some of you have been waiting for God to trouble your waters because you feel like you've been living in a Dead Sea, and God's going, all right, but you better be willing for me to put a new spirit in you, a new attitude in you. You can't say I don't like change anymore because I want to change you. And move you into something new. And not only do I want to do that, I want to put some new methods in your hands for winning. I like the idea of winning. I really like the idea of winning for the kingdom of God. So let me just give you a couple of things connected to that. Pastor, you said I need to be done at 4 o'clock. Is that right? Okay, I just want to make, and that second service comes at 5, do I have that right? And then we go to 10? Perfect, okay, okay. Just kidding, my caffeine will wear off by then, you're, you're totally fine. I want you to listen to this. We were made as people of faith, some of you are still a little nervous about that, really, I am aware, it's okay. It's okay. We were made as new believers. Um, what's the Bible say? Uh, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Do you know one translation of that says that you, when you get saved, you become a species of being that has never been? Wow. As this new species of being that has never been, with the living Christ living in you, it made us risk takers. Risk takers. This church knows something about that risk takers yeah it's bigger than us but you know what our God's big why don't we just take a risk when's the last time you took a risk in your life maybe you need to just do something drastic with the spirit of God when's the last time you pushed beyond your comfort zone maybe maybe it's time to take a risk because if we don't if we let go of who we are as new believers and we top, stop taking risks, here's what happens. Risk takers become caretakers. All of a sudden, I'm not moving forward. I'm just tending to what God did 20 years ago. You weren't made to be a caretaker. You were made to be a risk taker. But I'll tell you what, if we get comfortable staying caretakers, something worse happens. Caretakers become undertakers. And now you just spend your life taking care of things that are dead. The Bible says this way. You all know this verse. Without vision, what does it say? People. No vision. But if that's true to the negative, you know, that without vision people perish, then it's true to the positive. That then, with vision, with 
with the willingness to say, God, whatever you want to do new in my life, I'm ready, even if it feels uncomfortable. With vision, people flourish. People come alive. I don't want to catch myself in the pattern of having started out as a risk taker and became a caretaker, and now I'm just an undertaker, taking care of dead things, dressing them up to make them look good. God, God doesn't need your help doing that. Why? Because he said, I am the God, the source of everlasting life. And life is moving in you. So church, here's what I want to say to you and I today. We need to have the courage to change and keep on changing. Not from our principles, but from our way of doing things. We need the courage to change. We need the courage to be able to say, I used to really win this way. I used to really feel like, man, I'm just right in the sweet spot of what God's doing in my life. But you know what? I think God's wanting to move me into something new. And so I'm going to be willing to set this down and open up my hands for you and say, God, put a new tool in my hands. There's a story we all know full well of a man that did this, a young man named David. And uh, David had learned some ways to win, you know, out on the back 40, tending those sheep. I think he kind of felt like God forgot him, you know. I mean, he just has this powerful word spoken over him. You're going to be king of a nation. Everybody's going to love you. You're going to establish the throne of God. He gets this prophetic word. The service ends, and they're sending back out to the back 40 to tend the sheep. And I'm sure David's thinking, like, what just happened to me? I mean, I just got this awesome word. Didn't you all hear that? I'm super important. And I'm sure David thought, uh, you know, shouldn't you send me to king's school? I mean, shouldn't I be in the king's court? And no, no, no. God says, I'm just going to, I just want you to go back out there and be faithful at what I put in your hand to do with no fanfare, no accolades, and no thank you at the end of the day. Just bye. And I need you to be okay with that. And so he did. And so, uh, you know, you all know the story. His father sent for him and said, um, our, our nation has been called to battle and your brothers are all on the front lines fighting. They've signed up. They've joined the military and I want you to bring them food. And so he loads up David's cart and he sends him to the, the battlefront just in time for David to hear the boast or the taunt of this giant named Goliath. And all these men, all his big brothers, everybody that has been training the normal ways to get ready to do something significant, they're all shaking in their boots. And so here comes David looking pretty naive, you know, and he, he shows up and he says, uh, who is this guy that he would talk this way to the people of God? And they tell him, basically, put a sock in it. Don't you know he's bigger than you? And David pays no attention to that. He says, well, what's the reward for taking this guy out? I mean, talk about audacious. Listen, <laughs> naive has its perks, okay? There's some risks I've taken with God that I look back now and I go, oh, my word. Do you know how bad that could have gone? I'm so glad I didn't know. And so uh, they take him, he said, well, all right, buddy, you're asking for it. So they take him in front of King Saul. And so King Saul's problem is he can't find anybody that's willing to be a risk taker. They all want to be caretakers, and they're sure going to become undertakers. And so uh, 
Saul finally gets somebody that's willing, and I'm sure he feels bad about sending a young man to the front lines, but he really didn't have any options. And so he says, well, the best thing I can do is hand you my ways for winning. So here's my shield. Here's my sword. Because in the past, this is how I've won battles. Problem is, it was a new day. And God was doing a new thing. And it was time for new methods. And so David, you know, probably feeling a little overwhelmed by his environment, just kind of took it at first and said, well, I've never been here. You know better than me. I do want to live to see my next birthday, so okay. And, and they, he took it and they put him on him and he just went, this doesn't feel right. You say, how do I know when God wants to move me into something new? Because you put on the old stuff, you get up to do the same old, same old, and all of a sudden, if you're honest, you go, something doesn't feel right. This used to fit me, it doesn't fit me anymore. It used to be okay for me to just get up, do my thing, come in, go home. It used to be fine to just do my deal, show up for a little bit, hit the lake on the weekends, used to be fine, but all of a sudden, this doesn't fit me anymore. What's going on? Maybe I need a bigger boat. Maybe I need more time off. Maybe you need to just say, God, what are you doing in my life right now? God, maybe you're wanting to establish something in me that you've been working to build that's not just about me. It's what's going to come after me. Thank God that David had the courage, even though he was naive, to say, Saul, thanks, but no thanks. Because if I am going to take this risk, I want to go out there hand in hand with the Savior that I know. And David went out and he faced the Goliath today, that day, not out of Saul's winds, but out of his winds. Not out of Saul's place of trust and security, but his place of trust and security with God. And he picked up this thing in his pocket. You know the story. It says he reached down and he found five smooth stones. And when David went out and faced Goliath that day, he went out and he faced him with something called a slingshot. You know that was like a child's toy at that time? But in the hands of David, standing in the right place at the right time, what was known as a child's toy became a high-grade weapon, a weapon of mass destruction in the hand of a risk-taking man of faith. What is it that looks so insignificant that God's put in your hands and he is beckoning you out to a place to take a new kind of risk. And he says, this thing that looks so natural, if you'll just step out and use that, you watch what I'm going to do with it. I'll get you results with that you never could have gotten on your own. Because the truth of the matter is what hit Goliath in the head that day, he never saw coming. And I will submit to you that what hit Goliath square in the head that day was change. He never saw it coming. Your enemy 
is really at a defenseless place because he doesn't even see you coming. He looks at what's around you, your potential in the natural, your resources, and he goes, eh. But he has no idea what's coming for him because God's got a weapon in your hand and he's got a place of trust built in with you where all of a sudden when you step out in faith, God says, come on, you and I are going to step into something new and I am going to change things that's going to change everything for everybody for all time. Church, we got some new ways to win. Can I say it to you this way? You got some new ways to win. And they're just, they're just waiting on you. And you can't just say, well, tell me how you won and I'll just do it your way. You can learn the principles, but you got some methods you're going to have to get from the Holy Ghost to walk where you walk, to do what you do, to raise the family that you're raising, to be in the marriage that you're in, to work the business you're working. And God wants to show you new ways to win because he's not finished with you. This church, this house that God has called you to, there is something special on this house. It's always been a pioneering work. It's always been the one that would exemplify a new way of doing things. This house has always been one that for whatever reason just has had to go first. Hey, somebody always has to go first. We might as well get used to it. I mean, you think about that time with Moses when those people were looking at that Red Sea and those waters piled up, you know, on the right hand and on the left and everybody went, wow, look what God did. But somebody had to go down there first. Can you imagine how gracious all those families got all of a sudden? Oh, you go first. Really, we insist after you. No, no. Because if I'm there with my family, I'm thinking, well, this is amazing, but how long are those waters going to stay there? <laughs> Welcome to life at the gathering place. Somebody always has to go first. I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but it just keeps coming up in my heart. I was spending some time with Pastor Joyce uh, it just downstairs uh, in between sessions, and we were just talking about her path and and I just kept asking her questions. I know I wore out. I just wanted to hear her tell, how, what'd you do next? And how did you know to do that? And why? Because she knows some ways for winning. I want those principles. Are you kidding me? I'm not done yet. I still got a list of questions I'm going to ask her. <laughs> but I was sitting there listening to her. And, and as Pastor Bree mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm from this area. I grew up right here in Florence. And I'm sitting there listening to her and, you know, 30 plus years of ministry, woman minister, woman pastor, really shouldn't be that big of a deal, but we all know it is. That's pretty bold and pioneering if you ask me. Not caring that other people don't have a box for who she is. Well, get in or get over it. I'm going to obey God, you know. But that pioneering thing that's on her and on this house now. And I started thinking through, and I said, you know, Pastor Joyce, the gathering place is the only church, spirit-filled church that I know of in this region that is exemplifying Joel chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2 of every generation taking their place and simultaneously bringing forth what God is doing and working together. This is the only church 
where you actually see a living legacy of the next generation standing up, taking the helm and say, here we go with the backing of the older generation. I can't think of another spirit-filled church in this region that is actually walking out what this church is walking out. And yet it's the Bible pattern of the New Testament church. Now, I'm not saying that to put down any other work or wonderful church of God. Are you kidding me? I mean, on the way here, I blessed every church I drove by. Why? Because they're doing exactly what God's called them to do. God, fill them up. God, infuse that service. They're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not our competition. We're all going to wind up in the same place together. But they're not called to do what gathering place is called to do. God bless them. Make them prosperous. Make them fruitful. You want to see your city flourish? Every time you pass a church, you ought to just stretch out your hand and say, Oh, God, God bless that. Bless those pastors. Send the people that are called to that church there. Get them there quickly. But now, God, I got to look at where you called me. And where you called me is once again pioneering a new thing. Where you called me is actually walking in. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your young men will see visions. And your older ones will dream dreams. What is that a picture of? Every generation simultaneously, prophetically giving the movement, the direction, and the new sound of what God is building in the earth. And the strength of the body of Christ, Ephesians tells us, is when every joint is supplying. Every generation. Man, if I was a younger person, I'd be so excited to be at this house. Why? Because there are new frontiers. I mean, I barely had 15 minutes with Pastor Garrett. He's so full of vision. I mean, he probably talks vision when he's asleep. I mean... We're going to go to lunch today, and he's just going to talk vision, and I'm going to pull it out of him. He's so full of vision. You know, he's three buildings down the road, people, okay? I mean, I'd be so excited. But let me just tell you, if I was an older person in this house, I'd be so excited. Because you are pioneering and exemplifying a Bible pattern right here. And you're some of the first ones to do it in this whole region. Somebody's got to go first. I will dare say in the near days ahead that people will come, others will come and say, can we just sit back and watch how y'all do this? Because God's obviously building something here that's going to last way beyond you. Can we just see how that works and what that looks like, the honor and the respect and the, the liberty and the leadership, and there's such a fullness in this house because of it. This is a powerful thing God has you a part of. And because of it, thank God for all the faith and the seed sown and the stamina and the prayer that it has taken to get to this place but church you can't stay here you could so easily pull into that parking lot and go look what the Lord has done 
oh God, look what you've done. You just helped us. This building and it's beautiful and the school is just booming and, and all this stuff and new property. And God, look at it and you could just so easily pat yourselves on the back and just sit back and say, wow, we got here. But church, you can't stay here. Because there's all kinds of people that are still broken, still contemplating suicide, still don't know how they're going to get their kids off of prescription drugs, still living under anxiety and depression that need to find their place at the gathering place. And the vision that your pastors are carrying are making room for them to come. Can I pray over you today? Hallelujah. Father, we declare this morning that our best days, our greatest days, Father, this new place of glory, God has really just now begun. And I declare over every person within the sound of my voice, over every house, fresh fire, fresh wind, fresh breath for your new thing. Holy Spirit, breathe a new spirit in us. Breathe a new attitude in us. Lord, where we've been unwilling, we choose right now, we get willing. Lord, where we've had a stoplight or a yellow light, I don't know about all this change. God, we go green, 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 green. Because God, we don't want to stand in the way of what you're building in the earth. In fact, Father, we say this morning, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done and build it in me. God, we choose today to get in step with your spirit. And Father, as fresh vision comes forth from Pastor Garrett in the days ahead, Father, by faith, we just say, let's go for it. Lord, as it's time, as the signal is given to him for new time, for taking new territory, we just say ahead of time, God, we are well able to take that. Let's go for it. Father, we give you our yes ahead of time because we want you to know, God, we're ready. We're ready. Come on, I want you to just say that right where you're at. You just say it to the Lord. Say, God, I'm ready. Some of you need to say a little deeper. God, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. And so, Holy Spirit, we take you up on the prayer we started with today. Invade the privacy of our heart. And God, if necessary, rearrange things in our life to put us in position for all that you have for our lives and for Gathering Place Church as we pioneer into new things. We say, so be it, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you, church.